This is the CineSnob Podcast. Hello, welcome to episode 252 of the CineSnob Podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. Uh, did you notice a little fade out there, by the way? I did, Streamyard yeah. StreamYard has updated their, uh, it's very nice. their software. Um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a couple weeks, but it's a big show today, Cody. Yes. Uh, because it's the first show of 2023. Yes. Meaning we got a few uh, January movies, I like to call them, um, and which is just because that's accurate. But <laughs> How did you come up with that name, Jerry? It's <laughs> kind of my thing. <laughs> um, but uh, this is our top 10 show. Yeah. Um, and uh, to start it off, um, let's talk, Cody, about uh, the Houston Film Critics Society's uh, nominees for uh, their awards this year. Of course, yeah. you and I are part of the Houston Film Critics Society, as is our uh, former podcast mate, Kiko Martinez. Yes. Um, we were the San Antonio chapter, and I guess now I'm the Austin chapter of the Houston Film Critics Society. Right. Uh, but we submitted our ballots um, uh, this past week, um, and the nominees were announced, uh, was it today? Yesterday? It was today. 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 Sunday. Yes, that's right. Sunday. Sunday, January 8th. 2023 um so uh best picture um and, and we'll some of these we'll talk about a little later in the show obviously because some of these are made our lists uh best picture nominees uh the banshees of inishirin elvis everywhere everything all at once the fablemans guillermo del toro's pinocchio rrr uh is it tar i've never heard it pronounced i believe I it is yeah i think technically tar yes. i didn't watch the movie and i'm sorry that i didn't because it seems to be like one of a super memed movie on uh twitter i just ran out of time yeah uh tar uh till top gun maverick and women talking um yeah. very clearly we're going to talk about several of those later in our top 10 sure um anything that surprises you on that list i mean pinocchio huge surprise for me uh personally uh, a movie that we didn't talk about here, but I've seen. I don't know if you've seen Del Toro's Pinocchio. I yet. have not. No. Um, once it, once it, I have a hard time with the Netflix movies because I don't sure. feel any sense of urgency, and then I end up That's forgetting fair. them. Yeah. Um, I've heard good things. I haven't heard anything like. I mean, I, I think you and I both have kind of the same opinion of Del Toro. Um. Like, incredibly visionary, but nothing sticks with me ever. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if this is the same for this movie or not, but yeah, uh, that's that's what you would take away yeah, from I it. Mean, I, I mean, my takeaway from it was that it's a, it's a really solid animated film, but it's not my favorite animated film of the year, and it's certainly not in my best picture picture. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's, uh, it's perfectly fine, but I was very surprised to see it pop up into that list for sure. Um, I mean, I'm I'm not surprised, but uh, RRR is one I wouldn't um, wouldn't You've have seen, put. On. So you did end up seeing that? No, I haven't yet. I've okay. I've seen the clips. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it looks bonkers, awesome, but I, I have not watched it yet. Is that also on Netflix? Right? It is on Netflix. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, for for RRR, I saw that in theaters. I did the whole three hour thing, and mm -hmm. I I thought that it was um, it's it's perfectly fine. It's it, and especially if you have that self-awareness of what it was, but I think because you have that awareness of what it is, it holds it back from being like a perfectly, you know, like awards caliber thing because it is so like B movie ish mm -hmm. in its construction. I don't know. You may feel differently. I've certainly, there's 
plenty of people within our organization that feels differently about it in terms of its, you know, validity as a top flight movie. But for me, I, I <laughs> it's a little tough to get behind, you know, the CG, the CGI animals and the Bollywood dance scenes for as far as being like, you know, transcendent right year in material but you know uh to there, their own. there are any uh uh big big things that are missing from that list as far as you're concerned um i mean i think from the top of the list not really i mean i think you know we'll get into it a little bit when we get into our top 10 but there's certainly a handful of movies that are in my top 10 that aren't in that best picture conversation but i think that's more due to taste versus like you know the sort of like consensus list yeah i best stuff you know i know um among you and me and kiko um there uh she said is missing yes um that's kind of the the biggest one i i i get it um i mean i i kind of feel like women talking and she said maybe kind of split the um that's fair split that contingent let's say um You know, um, uh, Elvis is probably a bigger surprise for me to end up there. Well, um, I I really enjoyed the movie, and it's it's not in my top ten, but it is floating around. I think that, um, I mean, you'll you'll probably get into it as you get into the list, but the presence of Elvis in other categories, like in many categories in this list, is was very surprising to me. I will say that. Yeah, I, I will. Um, let, Let's move on from that too. For uh, a best director, you have uh, the Banshees of Inisherin with Martin McDonough, Elvis, Baz Luhrmann, uh, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, The Daniels, uh, The mm-hmm. Fablemans, uh, Spielberg, uh, Tar, uh, Todd Phillips. No, sorry, not Todd Phillips. Um, Todd uh, Field. Todd Field. Thank I'll you. I'll be right back. Okay. You may uh, be able to hear my microwave. Let me. Let me. Let me. <laughs> uh, keep reading. Yeah. Let me uh, full screen myself here. Uh, so yeah, best director uh, again. We have Banshees of Inisherin with Martin McDonough, Elvis, uh, Baz Luhrmann, Everything Everywhere All at Once, uh, The Daniels, The Fablemans, Steven Spielberg, Tar, uh, Todd Field, and Women Talking is Sarah Polly. Um, again, I think uh, you know The Fablemans uh, was was probably the one that I uh, was The Fablemans and The Banshees of Inisherin. Are the ones I was surprised least by. Um, Elvis is is a little bit of a dark horse, I think, um, with Boz Lerman. I, I thought it was really effective. I actually did nominate Boz Lerman for that. Um, Everything Everywhere All at Once, I think, is great. I, I was concerned, and uh, Cody, I don't know if you can hear me still. Um, yes. Okay, there you are. You're back. Uh, hold on. Uh, let me get you back on here. There we go. Hi. Uh, I was concerned... Um, and I'm I'm pleased that everything everywhere all at once stuck around. Um, I th- I was a- afraid that it was going to get lost in the early being part of the that early year release, right? Because um, I believe it was March or April. Uh, it was right after South by Southwest, so yeah, it would yeah, have been so around, April, right yeah, March or April. Yeah. Um, the, it getting a uh, best uh, picture and a best director here uh, for the Houston Film Critics Society. Um, as well as Best Actress for Michelle Yeoh nomination. Um, and Ki Kwan for... Oh, yeah, Ki Kwan. And, and yes. Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie Su for... Oh, yeah. Uh, Stephanie Su was a, a little bit of a dark horse for me. I think because it's... Uh, like I, I, th- I thought of Jamie Lee Curtis first for that. Um, yeah. Anyway, so moving on, uh, Best uh, Actress in a Leading Role. 
uh, Kate Blanchett for Tar, Viola Davis, The Woman King. The Woman King. Um, look, I thought the ter- the trailer was not great, and I still good. haven't. I still have not watched the movie, it's and I hear good. it's really good. Yeah. Um, that's one I need to pick up. Um, the trailer made it look sort of like a, uh, like a a low budget, like, uh, I don't know. It it didn't look. The trailer didn't entice me, but I've heard nothing but good things. Um, I'm glad to see Viola Davis on there. Um, uh, Danielle Deadweiler, Till, I, Till is one thing I didn't pick up either, and I'm I totally forgot that I didn't see Till. But that's the that's the best thing I've heard about. Uh, I've heard that that Danielle Deadweiler is the best thing about. She's very the film. good in it. Yeah. Um, Emma Thompson, good luck to you, Leo Grande. Leo Grande, yeah, you know my feelings on that movie. I'm. I like that. I I, I nominated her, so I was glad to see that in there. For I sure. mean. I get it. I was not a fan of the film, but that's fine. Um, and then Michelle Yeoh. Anti, every- you're anti-sex worker. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm anti uh, 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 actresses over fifty um, in sexual roles. Ageist. No, I don't. I don't care. I just thought the movie was a little. I thought the movie. Uh, well, I'm not gonna fucking get into it again. We don't have uh, to litigate this anyway. Um, and yeah, Michelle Yeoh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, best actor, supporting role. Um, Brendan Gleeson, the Banshees of Inishirin, uh, Barry Keoghan, Banshees of Inishirin. I think Barry Keoghan's great, um, in that film. I think he's, uh, better than Brendan Gleeson, but I get Brendan Gleeson being in there. Uh, Key Kwan for, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, also great. Mark Rylance, Bones and All. I never did see Bones and All. I hate, I hate that performance. (laughs) We didn't talk about that on this podcast, but that, that performance is really bad, in my opinion, and I'm upset that it's in there well mark rylance can walk away with an oscar at any time now oh look at you with your pizza i just had a yeah. slice of pizza too mm. oh i had detroit style though mm. um and uh follow ending that up uh with uh, ben wishaw for women talking another film i haven't watched um unfortunately really showing your ass on this huh i know it sucks <laughs> i <laughs> there, there's like three films that i missed and it's like it sucks that they're i'll, I'll get to them i just before the end of the year is yeah i had a cruise in there man and yeah couldn't watch on the cruise yeah it's, a, it's tough to get it all in uh <laughs> uh best actress supporting role um jess jesse buckley women talking uh carrie condon banshees of inishirin uh, another great performance jamie lee curtis everything everywhere all at once stephanie sue everything everywhere all at once and janelle monet uh for glass onion um very um i was well, maybe I liked Glass Onion a lot more than a lot of people, but I was a little surprised that it that had such a sparse showing here um, in these nominations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Janelle Monae is a great choice. Uh, but uh, Yeah, I think if something's going to break through, it's going to be her performance for sure. Yeah, I mean, I thought screenplay for sure. Um, didn't, did, did, uh, shit, I don't remember if uh, Knives Out won Best Screenplay or was that for JoJo... I mean, uh, sorry, not Jojo Rabbit. Um, did be- did Knives Out year, I think. Who won uh, Best Original Screenplay that year? Uh, the Oscar? Yes. It was Jojo Rabbit. Okay. That did, that did win a screenplay Oscar. But it, but that was an adapted screenplay, right? Correct. Well, so well Glass w- Onion technically, uh, well, Knives, or Knives Out would have been original, but Glass Onion would be this year adapted. Okay. So, uh, God damn it. It's confusing. So, <laughs> so uh, that would be 2019, right? Let's see. Yes. 
Uh, get you want to guess what won in twenty nineteen? Do you know mm-hmm. what won in twenty nineteen? I don't. Uh, for uh, best original screenplay uh, in twenty nineteen was Parasite. Ah, okay. Which makes total sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry, I got this confused because uh, I was almost going to be upset because Green Book won in 2018, and I, those years got conflated for me, and I was going to be very, very upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, Parasite. Great. Uh, hot takes on movies from four years ago, so excuse <laughs> me. <laughs> uh, best screenplay, again, uh, Banshees of Inishirin, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, and Women Talking. Of those... Um, I mean, I think Banshees of Inisherin is probably my choice. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I have, I have, we, so Banshees is a movie that we did not get to talk about on this show, but we've both seen mm-hmm. where, you know, I've, I've been a huge fan of Martin McDonough's work and, um, you know, In Bruges is one of my favorite movies ever. Um, I really love, um, a lot of his other work too. And I think this is like the least of his works so yeah. far. And so... My choice for this would be probably different than yours because I would probably go Fablemans on this one. But yeah, but but Banshees. I mean, like, look. I mean, I I, for me the thing about Banshees is that it is it's more funny that it is like resonant for me, and I think Mm -hmm. that like the funny stuff is really funny. But for me, like the heavy stuff doesn't hit. I think the way that it's intended to. So you know, it's a it's a solid it's a really solid movie. It's not as you'll find out. As we go on, it's not in my top ten, but mm-hmm. I, I, I really love the Fablemans, and, and I in like the Fablemans held up on rewatch for me in a big way. Yeah. So, uh, okay, moving on, best animated feature, uh, Apollo Ten and a Half, a space age childhood. I forgot that movie existed. <laughs> um, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Excuse me, uh, Marcel the Shell with shoes on, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, and Turning Red. Um, I think you and I both have a, a clear choice there. Um, if you but know, I heard top person, Puss in Boots is great. I've, I've heard, heard that too, and I have not. I I have no, I have zero desire to have seen it, but I've heard it's really good. That's the same thing I felt. Is like I was, I didn't even. I, I to be honest with everyone out there, I have not seen it, but every single thing I've seen about it is that it's great. And yeah, and I haven't seen anything since like Shrek two in that I, series. I never saw the first Puss in Boots. Yeah. I think I stopped at Shrek three. Yeah. Um. But I've heard it's great. Yeah, I mean, and please understand, I think we can both be forgiven for not giving a shit. Uh, (laughs) I hope so. But uh, to find out, I assume it'll be on Peacock in like a week Mm -hmm. if it's not already. But um, I mean, we have access to it, so we can get it. Sure, sure. But uh, uh, then uh, Best Cinematography, Avatar The Way of Water, uh, Babylon, Nope, The Fablemans, and Top Gun Maverick. Um, You know, a showing from three movies here that got ignored elsewhere. I think Babylon, you might say was rightly ignored. Mm-hmm. Um, Avatar, the way of water um, um, is, is great. I, again, digital cinematography is a weird, weird rabbit hole to go down. Yeah. I mean, for me here, it's like the, the sheer scale of Top Gun Maverick and the idea that they're putting fucking cameras in <laughs> fighter jets. I mean, like yeah. for me, this is a no brainer, but you know, I, I mean, the Fablemans might be a, uh, an easy, probably is probably going to be an easy win. I mean, Giannis Kaminsky is. Uh, you know, so did you ever see that that documentary on HBO about Spielberg? Just it's just called Spielberg. I have not. No. 
it really so I, I saw the Fablemans and then I watched Spielberg that documentary because I heard it was good and then I saw it again and it sort of opened my eyes to Spielberg as a visual filmmaker in terms of like you know there's a there's a quality to Spielberg that I didn't ever clock on a major level which is his his sort of like camera movement in his movies and like the way that he constructs shots and when you watch that movie and then watch the Fablemans like that shot of of like Sammy Fableman showing his movie at like the high school prom or dance or whatever mm-hmm. like it's really it's really incredible to watch him like move that camera throughout the crowd and hit different people and then go back to Sammy and then move around like it, it really helped me open my eyes to a lot of stuff in that movie that was again the Fablemans is a movie and we'll touch on this later that really you know like went up the ladder for me as I read and thought more about it so Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, moving on. Best documentary. I have not seen. I have, don't think I've watched any documentaries this year. Uh, so this this category is way out of my purview. But all the beauty and the bloodshed, bad acts, fire of love, good night, Oppie, and Navalny. Mm-hmm. Um, I again. Navalny I, is my favorite of that bunch. I've seen three out of the five. I think that's uh, the Russian um, dissident guy, right? Yeah, he's the guy who went against Putin in the yeah. election and was poisoned in, in his underwear. He was poisoned, yes. And yeah. there's, there's was it his underwear? Scene. Was he the one that was poisoned with the underwear? I believe it was his underwear. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that let's pull. That's a great clip to pull. I believe it was his underwear. Yes. <laughs> if we pulled That'll, drops for this show, that yeah. would be. Uh, but but they get into that in the documentary, and it's the scene in it is like it's like it's like. So I don't I don't remember how fond of Citizen Four you were the Edward Snowden documentary. Which... Oh, it's great, but it, it sucks that everybody in that is a <laughs> is a god awful person now. Yeah, the, the sort of like Glenn Greenwald host uh, <laughs> yeah. Citizen. Well, 4 him thing. and Edward Snowden have have really uh, embraced yeah. that sort of fascism. Uh, yes, weirdly. Uh, but but there are scenes in Navalny that are like Citizen Four esque in terms of like oh you're watching something unfold here that is mm-hmm. fucking crazy. In historical yeah. context. Yeah. So it's it's worth watching for sure. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, best foreign language feature. Again, I was not in. Uh, didn't see any of these. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. Argentina, 1985. Close. Decision to Leave and RRR. Um, I got a feeling RRR will win that one. But um, I've yeah. heard a lot of good things about All Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah. There's a couple of movies in this category and then a couple of foreign movies that are like really good but not in here including one that's in my top 10 this year mm-hmm. um but um but yeah um rrr <laughs> seemed me. to be very popular with our group here i would mm-hmm. think that that's a front runner but yeah decision to leave um also very good a movie i saw at fantastic fest and um was very uh, spoiler alert is just outside my top 10 but not quite in all right. Uh, moving on. Best original score: Babylon, Banshees of Inisherin, Empire of Light, The Fablemans, Guillermo del Toro's Pino- Guillermo del Toro's Pin- whatever you- Pinocchio, <laughs> and Women Talking. Um, whatever you think about Babylon, I think the score is fucking great. Um, that would be my choice. Um, I really like the Banshees of Inisherin. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a, a preference among the other ones. Well, you can't bet against Displat. Dis Displa. I don't. We don't have our French correspondent here today, but um, 
you haven't had for for a couple of years but <laughs> yeah, yeah um i mean also i mean john williams 91 yeah, yeah. or whatever i mean his final score also yeah this is his final movie allegedly allegedly i mean i feel like i've heard that before but yeah he still wrote music for obi-wan even <laughs> though he was done with star wars but um best moving on best original song i don't know shit about these um i never care about best original like it seems weird it's just a weird category when it's not incorporated in the movie Mm -hmm. uh but black panther uh wakanda forever lift me up i believe that's rihanna um guillermo del toro's uh pinocchio chow papa natu natu from rrr stand up from till and hold my hand from top gun maverick Mm -hmm. whatever man yeah (laughs) <laughs> give it to Lady Gaga. I don't give a shit. Rihanna. I abstained on the uh, nominations. On I this did one. too. <laughs> uh, best visual effects: uh, Avatar: The Way of Water, The Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, RRR, and Top Gun Maverick. Man, I feel like this is a uh, uh, battle between Avatar and Top Gun. Mm-hmm. Avatar is balls out incredible. Top Gun is balls out like practical visual effects. For um, sure. I think. Man, I mean, I-, I think this has to be Avatar. I do too, just because it's so crazy. I mean, who knows with this with our group though? I mean, I think I think Top Gun might take it, but I don't know. Uh, Best stunt coordination team: uh, the Batman, Everything Everywhere All at Once, RRR, Top Gun, Maverick, The Woman King. I gotta, I mean, I gotta think it's either Top Gun or The Woman King. You should see Uh, The Woman King, and I think for me, I'm gonna be. I mean, I think my vote goes to The Woman King. I mean, it's just a badass fight coordination movie in yeah. my opinion um best ensemble cast banshees of inishirin everything everywhere all at once the fablemans glass onion um and women talking i mean i think the only one that's really a true ensemble is glass onion if we're being honest here i don't know because i think the fablemans has like a fair share of its people and especially because like the main performance in the fablemans is gabriel labelle who plays like the teenage mm-hmm. spielberg or sammy or whatever and I think he, I think that's one of the best performances of the year. So for me, I want to honor that. And I think Paul Dano is great. Michelle Williams, I have problems I, with that performance. I, I am surprised that she didn't show on the Best Actress. Um, I can, I get it why, because I, yeah. I think there's issues with it, but for sure, I, I still feel like Glass Onion's the only real ensemble here. That's fair, that's fair. But I, I mean, I think Banshees is also in play here i mean sure. i feel like that's colin farrell's movie sure that's personally fair. um also texas independent film award um i have not seen any of these um acid test apollo 10 and a half conception deep in the heart a texas wildlife story and facing nolan um i have no insight on any of these um i know it's a big award that we give out but uh mm-hmm. i just i have a hard time tracking these down and keeping i mean me you know maybe uh um, I know, uh, I think Deep in the Heart is narrated by M- Matthew McConaughey, if I remember correctly. I believe that's right. Uh, I know ten, Apollo 10 and a half is Linkletter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway, do you have any, do you, have you seen any of these? I've seen only Apollo 10 and a half, okay. but I'm going to try to watch. I've heard Facing Nolan is good and I'm a baseball fan. Yeah. So. I'm surprised you haven't yet. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, uh, that's, uh, those are the nominees. I don't remember when, uh, the awards ceremony, oh, uh, February 18th, 2000, uh, February 18th, 2023 at the, uh, match theater in Houston. Um, if I can go, um, I'd like to go. Um, I know you and I have been a couple times. Um, it's always fun. I mean, I mean, I think we're one of the 
two or three critic societies who do an actual award show and and if you've been, I mean, like we've been, we've each been. I don't, I don't think we've ever been there at the same time. We did. We carpooled. Uh, oh, you, me, and Kiko. Time. Yeah, that's right. Um, and we it's stopped at that scary gas station. <laughs> yeah. yeah, with the Confederate flag, shark tooth. Yeah. Uh, I think they were jewelry. gator teeth, but yeah. Um, oh yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, no, it's it's a good time, and um, and we don't get to hang out with our Houston brethren all that much, but it's a. Yeah. Uh, it's a fun time, so yeah, I think if it uh, if it does line up, I would like to go. And it's a Saturday this year. I know um, uh, in previous years, and it's actually later. Um, I'm going through my memories on Facebook. Uh, what the last couple times were fairly recently, mm-hmm. or excuse me, not fairly recently, but like this time of year. <clears throat> so um, being later in the year helps a lot, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe I'll make the trip. It is a Saturday, so um, it's not a work day. We'll talk about it. I have a I have an idea about something. Oh, <clears throat> carp me driving you and uh, Kiko again, yes. like I had to last time, because neither one of you were were no. wanted to drive to Houston. Well, we made it in one trip. I mean, I think there's a we made it in we like we drove up there and drove back in the same day. Oh yeah, that sucked. Yeah, there's but, a way I think we can get around that, but you mean staying at a hotel? Well, I, again, I said let's talk about it. Oh okay, okay, mm-hmm. all right. <laughs> is this gonna? This is. Uh, this is off-air talk, but <laughs> yeah. This anyway, is let's go ahead and move on to reviews. Here Sorry. are this week's reviews. I tried. First up, we have Megan. You're just a stupid rubber doll, fake hair. <gasps> Ow! Let go. You need to learn some manners, Brandon. <laughs> you know what happens to bad boys that don't mind their manners? They grow up to be bad men. Are you listening to me, Brandon? Megan? This is the part where you run. This is, uh, of course, the killer doll movie that you've seen everywhere, especially if you've been on TikTok. I don't know. <coughs> I don't know if you're uh, on TikTok, Cody, but no. I'm not. Well, I am. <laughs> I have an account, but I don't pay attention to it. Uh, apparently, this uh, the Megan video of her dancing that you'll you see in the trailer um, yeah. was very big on TikTok. Right. Um, so this is uh, kind of been in the pop popular culture for a while, but the movie's finally out. Uh, Cody, tell us about Megan and what you thought of it. Yeah, so it's a bit of like a techno thriller slash horror movie where, um, you know, the the basic idea of the movie is that you have this little girl and she undergoes a tragedy and then she has to go live with her aunt. And her aunt is sort of like, a, um, I guess, like a tech, a, a woman in tech who is in charge of like a toy company who is also like tr- like on the cutting edge of this doll which you see in the clip, which is like an AI-based doll who can, you know, anticipate, you know, what the child needs and um, and then a number of other questionable qualities to it. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's tough because, you know, the movie – look, we're in January. Until the end of the month, we are going to be talking <laughs> about movies that are of questionable quality. Um, and, and, you know, January is typically a dumping ground for movies that are not very good or just, you know, like 
are not going to sell very well and well, whatever the case might be. Yeah, you get the you get the the stragglers like the award season stragglers. Mm -hmm. And then you get the stuff that is either garbage or it's taking taking advantage of that like clear runway. Right. And right. I think this is the second this is the latter of those. It things. is the latter because it's not pure garbage. I mean, I think what you get out of this movie is a tech thriller. I don't think you've seen this movie, but I'm very fond of the movie Upgrade which is um I have not no it's yeah it's it's a movie that came out a few years ago that is sort of like this very techno thriller type thing where you know and an, uh, like an AI based thing gets implanted in a guy that makes him that makes like a paralyzed person be able to you know walk and everything and and then the AI takes over and stuff like that and and this is sort of like this idea where it's this doll that becomes you know sentient and can control its own thing and um and the tone of it is very much that it's played very, very seriously in the movie by the, its actors, which is that, you know, this doll taking control of everything is seen as, like, this very serious thing. And I think, you know, that part of it is to its benefit because I think, like, you know, Allison Williams plays, like, the ant character, and I think she plays it very, very straight. And I think to its quality, um, you know, her playing it straight really makes it work well. Um I think the main issue with this movie is that it's a PG-13 movie, and I think in order for this type of movie that is so absurd and so silly and so stupid, I think in order for this movie to work, it needs to be rated R. I think I think mm -hmm. if this movie is to work, you have to go full throttle, which means you have to lean into the camp. You have to lean into how ridiculous and absurd and silly this all is. You have to lean into the kills and make them super violent and super gory. There's like pieces of gore and pieces of like uh super violent stuff in here but it's very very tame and i feel like if you were to make this doll a very like unabashedly violent killing machine ramp up the humor of it ramp up the absurdity of it because there's again this movie excels when it's being fucking silly when this movie is like embracing this doll like singing pop songs and yeah. dancing. It sings, what is it? Uh, is it titanium? Uh, titanium? Yeah, yeah, it sings titanium, and it's it's a bizarre rendition of titanium. But it the audience was fucking howling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when it embraces that stuff, when it embraces the goofiness of it all, it's really it's fun. It's and it's a super fun movie. And look, we're not. I know that we're talking about this in the same show that we're talking about our top ten. This is not <laughs> like a top ten amazing film, but it hits those qualities of being super entertaining when it's getting really down with how silly and stupid it is. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it does that enough, and I don't think it does it hard enough. So when it does go for some of these kills in the movie, it feels like it's restrained a little bit, and I feel like it wasn't as restrained. And there is, you know, if you look at interviews and stuff, this movie was supposed to be rated R. It was supposed to be balls to the wall, and it wasn't. And I want to see the version that was balls to the wall because I think – the harder you go, the more rewarding it is in terms of the entertainment value. Because as it stands now, I think it's a little toothless. I think that, you know, the the absurdity of it all is addressed, if not called out entirely. And I feel like this is a type of movie that you have to know exactly what it is and you have to be on board with it. And I feel like maybe there's a little bit left short. Yeah, and, you know, um, I, I agree with, with most all of that. I think... You're right. It definitely probably needed to be rated R. Um, I think, though, it just doesn't embrace the the violence of it enough. 
I believe, if I'm counting right, there's like three kills in the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very low on the body count for what you're expecting. Um, so there's one, yeah, uh, two, three, mm. four if you count. There's a few more in the climax. Yeah, so so maybe five. Mm-hmm. But like leading up to it, it it really does sort of just kind of like hint at the edges of something being off. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, Allison Williams plays it entirely straight. Um, you've got Ronnie Chang in there, um, who's kind of the absurd comic relief, um, who gets some great lines. Um, then uh, you have, um, I'm not sure, it's a combination of performers playing Megan. Uh, there's like uh, an actress uh, who's uh, uh, does the voice. Um, and then there's like various like dancer, like young girls and, and women who play the, the doll. Mm-hmm. So there's like a combination of creepy shit in this doll. Like it's it's not a CGI thing, I assume, for the most part. Mm-hmm. It's like somebody in a costume and it looks just off enough and it, it plays it like it's creepiness up really, really well. Um, I do think it there is some fun to it. I I 100% agree that this thing could have been way more fun. Yeah. Um I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's it's you know I I would recommend it barely, but I there is a better version of this movie out there and I think you know turning it into a PG-13 movie is clearly a marketing move. Uh because the story would be way better served as a really super gory R-rated movie. Mm-hmm. Um, as it stands now, it's a it's slightly disappointing, but um, you know, I, I think I think otherwise, um, you know, there there is some good stuff in here. It's not it's not your typical January horror movie that that uh, is usually pretty terrible. Anyway, what's your grade for Megan, Cody? So I give it a C plus. I mean, I think for me, I can't quite recommend it. I I feel like it's very very close to it in terms of entertainment value, but. Again, like I said, it pulls up where it should go hard. And I think if this, mm-hmm. if you're doing this type of movie that has the tone that it's aiming for, which the tone that it's aiming for is absurd and silly tech thriller. Right. And I feel like if you're going to go for that tone, you've got to go all in. And I don't think it goes all in at any point on any level. And I, yeah. And if, yeah. yeah. No, go ahead. I'm. No, no, I was just going to say I think I think if you go all in it's a better movie but as it stands right now it's a C plus. Yeah, I mean I I don't you want you want to you don't want to cross into Chucky territory where mm-hmm. it's just constant puns and 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 crazy shit with the same kind of premise. I do think you do want to have it be a little more um you know, play into the absurdity a little more and and really really ramp up the the violence cuz uh, as it stands most of the kills happen off-screen. Mm-hmm. I think all of them do, basically. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna give it a B minus just because I, I I do think there is some some good there. I I wish it was better. Like w- seeing the doll sing Titanium was was a highlight for sure of of the screening. But uh, all right, let's move on to our next movie, A Man Called Otto. Hey, back 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 back. What is he doing? Parallel parking. Parallel to what? The whole neighborhood is falling apart these days. Get out of here. Nothing works now that you're gone. 
some food. Okay, bye. Are you always this unfriendly? I am not unfriendly. Okay, you're like a warm cuddle. What is that? Looks like he's yours now, Addo. You are not taking over my bed. You think you have to do everything on your own, but no one can. I can't stand watching one idiot try to teach another how to drive. It's lesson time. Thank you. Clutch in and brake, brake, brake. The car is stopped. I almost hit the car. Mr. Ryan's a hybrid. My life is black and white before Sonia. She's always going to be with you, Otto. My father used to smile like that. I'm not smiling. Exactly. I have a cat. So this is a film uh, remake of a... Uh, this is a Swedish film. I think it's Danish. Danish film. Denmark, um, no, it's a Swedish film. Swedish. Uh, oh, is it? Well, the book is by a Swedish author, a man called Ove. Okay. Yeah, these are these are Swedish films. Okay. Scandinavia, you know. It's all the same, um, right? I mean, it's all white people. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, <laughs> white people in uh, fish, I think, is sure. Scandinavian. Um, a remake of a Scandinavian film called A Man Called Ove. Ove, maybe? Um, which was also a novel. Uh, this is, of course, starring Tom Hanks, um, <laughs> rather unconvincingly as an, a grumpy old curmudgeon, but we'll talk about that in the review. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, uh, I've heard it described as uh, sort of a Tom Hanks take on Gran Torino. Yeah. Um, anyway, Cody, tell us about A Man Called Otto and what you thought of it. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting, right? Because it's our first look, honestly, at Tom Hanks taking on, like, old grumpy man roles, Yes. Right? It, and it's weird because he, and I told you this, he didn't seem old enough to me. Right. But the, he's, he's literally 67 years old, Tom Hanks is, mm-hmm. which is fine. I just felt like this was, this character was played as, like, an 85-year-old. Well, the design is. I mean, like, if you look at the character design from the book and from the Swedish movie, the character is designed to be 60 years old, which is younger than crazy. Tom Hanks. But I thought they is... aged better over there, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but but Tom Hanks is designed in this movie as, like, a crotchety old man. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, part, I think partially circumstantially in that he plays, a, a you know, a widower, um, you know, someone who lost his lost his wife and is sort of trying to figure out his way through life post losing his wife. And, um, and so what you get is a guy who, who sort of is like the, the classic, like old get off my lawn grump, um, who, um, you know, through the course of meeting his new neighbors in his neighborhood learns to soften up and learns to have a, a little bit of empathy. He, you know, when you meet him, he's at a very low point, he's suicidal and, and looking for an end and he finds a reason to live you know, to, to kind of not only help those around him, but to connect with them. And, you know, it's a very frustrating movie because I mean, look, I mean, Tom Hanks is one of my favorite actors of all time. And I, I think that, um, to see him in this role is very interesting for me because I don't think, I think that throughout his career, I don't think Tom Hanks has really ever played old man. Right. I mean, like, even when he's playing Uh. someone like Sully with gray hair or white hair or whatever, like you don't see him as like a, crotchety grumpy old like clint like grant torino's a, honestly a good comparison because for me when i thought was like oh this is like a clint eastwood he's a grumpy yeah. old crotchety man type role and i don't know that it's super convincing um yeah yeah i i mean it's you you know he's gonna soften into tom hanks right like you just it's 
it's I mean, not only is it telegraphed by the you know the idea of the movie, but because he's Tom Hanks, you know he's not going to be a complete dick, right? And and I think because a lot of that, I th- I feel like the the sort of like grumpiness is laid on really thick early on, and it's sort of like I'm like okay, like we get it, he's super grumpy, he's super angry. Um, you know, when's the other shoe going to drop? When is he going to be like, you know, normal Tom Hanks? Um, and I think the frustrating part about this movie overall is for every piece of authentic emotion there is in the movie. And don't get me wrong. There are good pieces of it. I think that especially with his character and I think a lot should be said about Mariana Trevino, who plays mm-hmm. um, his neighbor, who I think is, she's fantastic in the yeah, movie. Yeah, she's I really think. great. She's like the best part about the movie by far. And her relationship with his character, um, the sort of like watching him work through his despair and, and, and like coming around on it. And I think especially it has a really good ending, in my opinion. I think that the, the way that it punctuates where it's headed, which I mean I think is relatively par- uh, uh, telegraphed. I don't think it's super surprising, but I think it's executed decently well. I think the in-between pieces – are a struggle there's this sort of like side neighborhood watch neighborhood um like a, a like a, a basically like what would you call it like a uh like, like a, a homeowners a association company. yeah well yeah, so homeowners slash a, well, like so, a builder oh oh yeah yeah sorry sorry there's like a, a a developer who's encroaching upon the neighborhood yeah trying to buy the area in order to right. turn it into houses and stuff and there's and it's played by Mike Birbiglia and uh, like the the head of it and that plot line goes nowhere and I think that it, it it's it's super it, it 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 serves for like a villain that I think the movie doesn't necessarily need I think the movie can function just fine with like him being the antagonist to himself without having to in like have this sort of builder character serve as a as yeah a... i i was wondering if that was like a relic of something like maybe the swedish version i haven't seen it obviously mm-hmm. is this like something that got lost in translation as being like more important than it was because it doesn't really like like it's it does set up this antagonist that does that really goes nowhere mike burbigley has nothing to do yeah except react to some really preposterous situations yeah, yeah, and he's sort of an over-the-top character, and I, and I sort of, the way that it leans into, like, this being, like, a TikTok journalist or whatever is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> oh, man, I got something to say about that, but yeah, I'll wait till my turn. Part, I'll leave that part to you. But and, and then I also think, too, you know, you have this, like, parallel plot line that tells the story of Tom Hanks's earlier life played by his son, Truman. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like, God bless him, and... He's the least problematic of the Hanks children, I think, <laughs> at this point. Well, what's co- what Colin Hanks do? Yeah, I don't know what Colin Hanks is up to, but Chet no. But is... I mean, what what's what's problematic about Colin? Oh, I'm Hanks? talking about Chet. Oh yeah, Chet's a fucking mess. But yeah, Col- I like about. Colin. Colin's great. Yeah, no, Colin's great, and Truman is fine. Chet's the problem here. Oh yeah, but yeah. but uh, but it's Truman Hanks who I don't really think has been on camera very much, and I think it kind of shows. I think that y- you get a little bit of you know, the history of his character shown in flashback flashback scenes, which I think is fine for context, but I think sort of like the acting quality of his is not super great. And I don't think it's super resonant. So, you know, I think it's, 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 you know, it's one of those things where I honestly think if anyone else, but Tom Hanks were in this role, this movie would be kind of a turd, but I think because (laughs) like Tom Hanks elevates it because he's so good 
and because he's so likable and because he can actually like execute the idea of uh like a super crotchety annoying old person but yet have this like tom hanks side to him uh which is very likable and you know there's a there's a likable like interior outside of that rugged exterior i think it works on some level but like i said for every moment of authentic emotion there is something that's super corny super lame super generic and the balance to me doesn't way in favor of the authentic i think it weighs in in the direction of the inauthentic yeah you know i i messaged you after we we watched the movie last night and after i after i watched the movie i messaged you and said i wish it was like 30 percent less corny right and i think that's a big problem and i think you know um i i like tom hanks in it i think he's a little um um and i mentioned this as we were watching it to my wife like he comes across as Hank Hill. If you were familiar with King of the Hill, like he's essentially playing a a, a grieving Hank Hill. Like from down to the fucking like there's a, a a throwaway joke that like like I guess aimed at people that were like my dad that had this loyalty to automobiles. Oh yeah. Where it's a Ford versus Chevrolet. And man, I can't imagine that hitting with anybody under the age of fucking <laughs> like 55. 60? Like I know it because I lived it with my dad. Right. Uh, you know, he was a big like he was always a Chevrolet guy and if you Ford, you know, fix your repair daily or whatever the fuck. But go ahead. Well, I was just going to say and it's weird that it has that quality to it because it also has this this like very prominent storyline where he's very empathetic towards a trans character based on his, like his wife was like the first person to affirm the trans person right. as a student and call them by their correct pronouns and Tom Hanks Tom Hanks's character is super res- like respectful of that and gives them a place to stay and uh, which yeah. no <laughs> sorry none of those things that real life person would do <laughs> right no if, if we're tracking playing, the character no if we're tracking this character in fucking Pittsburgh and a, a neighborhood curmudgeon busybody who is devoted to American uh, cars. <laughs> yeah. No fucking way. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, to the movie's credit, it, I mean, to the movie's credit, it, it, it handles that, you know, respectfully. Um, it doesn't do it. I, I do think it's out of place for the character. Um, just judging by what I know about the average 67 year old American male who's very prominently loves cars. Um, but it, you know, um, the neighbors are too wacky other than, uh, than Mariana Trevino, who's great. Um, everybody else is played really broadly, uh, as a character, um, culminating in a social media reporter. Yeah. Um, who is apparently able to live stream from a uh, DSLR camera. (laughs) Look, man, this is like, who made, like, she would just have a fucking smartphone. Right. Like, you give, like, and then it's, and it's got that classic kind of, like, all these people coming together to do a job. Because here's this social media reporter who's apparently very established, um, who recruits the the character, uh, the, the trans character, to to be her camera operator like well why just so we can get this character in the mix again like it's 
it's just it's it's really corny and those are the things that really kind of derail it for me because there's really like some dark shit in here oh sure um you know the basically the the, hanks's character and it's not a secret starts the movie on with a plan to kill himself Mm -hmm. Um, in in attempts multiple times right i mean that's like his first scene with your boy uh what's his name higgins Um, oh john uh, yeah the the guy from uh uh, uh, please don't destroy yeah uh he's he's literally buying rope to hang himself yeah. Um, and of course, he's got to get, get one over on those goddamn kids who don't think he doesn't know how to cut they're trying goddamn to rope. A, uh, six feet for five feet of rope or whatever. Yeah. Um, look, it's uh, Tom Hanks is great. <laughs> the Truman Hanks thing is unfortunate, especially right after the Vanity Fair nepotism baby thing. Oh, yeah. Like, he's not good. It, it doesn't help that Rita Wilson sings the song over the credits either. <laughs> I don't yeah, know if I you didn't knew that. that no. <laughs> um, it's oh, clearly man. a Hanks family <laughs> affair. Um, it's a Hanks family business. If you listen to that, I uh, did see that one <laughs> interview. too. Um, look, but I mean, Hanks. Tom Hanks has earned it. I yeah, think. Sure. Um, yeah. I, I I think I think he's he's good in this. I think Mar- Mariana Trevino is really great in this. I think it's a it's a big star making performance for her. I mean, at least for sure. here in the United States, not in Me- her native Mexico, but. Um, Everything else is just sort of cornball. I mean, it's 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 a little too corny for what it is. Um, you know, this is director is Mark Forster, who's has one of the craziest careers. It really um, is a crazy film. I really me. like some of his movies. Like, I really, really love Stranger Than Fiction. Oh, me too. I that um, movie is fantastic. Um, you know, and he's he directed uh, the first two Daniel Craig James Bond movies. Um, he directed um, <laughs> Machine Gun Preacher and World War Z. Uh, Christopher Robin, which I actually quite liked. I think he has a great style. I love his his look. He's a crazy journeyman director. But um, man, this movie is is confounding. Yeah. Um, because it's it's frustrating. It's, it's got good stuff in it, but man, if it was only again like thirty percent less corny, it would be so much better. Yeah, and and it, again, it's t- like to the credit of the movie, the emotional beats I think work, and mm-hmm. I think they pay off decently well yeah but the build-up to it the character design the character construction the consistency of it and then like the throwing in of side like i i I almost wish that we didn't know anything about his past and the truman hank stuff was totally removed from the movie it's so and regardless of truman hank's acting chops that story is so bland and generic it is it's it not it, it and you don't need it to, to 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 show his character as a grieving widower i don't think you need all of that stuff in it which ultimately drags everything down because this movie is clearly about a guy regardless of the tragedy that's happened to him trying to build himself up again after going through said tragedy right and i feel like it just gets lost in the weeds on some of this stuff well it's like the like like hyper generic meat cute yeah um you know with with you know in like a generic 70s setting i mean it's yeah. just it adds nothing to the film but but the thing about it though which is so confounding and, and and frustrating is that the scene where tom hanks reveals everything mm-hmm. is fantastic it's yeah. great it's like it all works really well and I wish, like, you don't have, we don't see that, but we hear it from his character. 
Mm-hmm. Like if he just explained the harder. story, yeah, yeah, instead of a flashback. Yeah, exactly. And I think and, you you have a way better movie if you do that. You pluck that Mark Birbiglia, Mike Birbiglia character out. I mean, I love Mike Birbiglia, but fuck, man, this character sucks. <laughs> yeah. And gets the payoff is so stupid. Um because I, I think the last like 10 minutes of the movie after that last scene with Mike Birbiglia, I think it's really good. Mm-hmm. Like I think it like you said, it really sticks the landing. But mm-hmm. um yeah, there's just too much treacly shit in there. Yeah. Uh that really weighs it down. Uh what's your grade for a man called Otto, Cody? Yeah, I mean I give it a B minus. I mean, if we're talking about recommendations, like I t- I told my mom to go see it. <laughs> I think my mom would enjoy it. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but like I don't I don't know that it exceeds beyond like recommend it to your family members type stuff. I mean, I think it's it's perfectly fine. It's it's very by the numbers. I think it's designed to be, you know, like you said, there's some elements of it that are really dark, but also it doesn't spend too much time down there. And I think mm-hmm. if it would have, like, if again, if you just lean into that darkness a little bit more, you don't try to, f- like, 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 show the other side of it with this Truman Hanks meet cute story. And you just leave it like a dark secret that he has and then eventually unveil that in that moment. I think it's like a 10 times better movie. But as it stands now, it's a B minus. It's good enough. I think your family will enjoy it. I don't know anything beyond that. Man, I, I yeah, I went back and forth. But I think a B minus is probably fair. I think Hank's really – I think he's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, despite the fact that you know he's not going to be an old curmudgeon by the end of the film. Right. Um that said, I wish there was like at least three less wacky neighbor characters. <laughs> uh, I wish that but, Tom Hanks would take some more challenging roles. True, true. Well, I mean, this year he had. Uh, um, <laughs> well, I didn't see the Pinocchio, uh, but he was like, "Mamma me, I made a Pinocchio <laughs> in every trailer." But then uh, the Colonel Tom Parker thing was a real big swing. It's I don't a- know that it was one hundred percent successful, right? Uh, but it was a <laughs> sure. it was a choice for sure, and I, I assume yeah. that was a combination of Boz Lerman and uh, maybe Tom Hanks' input on that. But man, sure. that was a. I, I think this year is, has been a little more challenging at some points, but um, anyway. Uh, that's going to do it for reviews. So let's go ahead and move on to our top 10, Cody. I don't have yeah. any cool intro planned because I didn't do any production on this. That's okay. uh, but we're going to do it like we do every time uh, where we um, count backwards from 10. Um, anything that's uh, that's that's up higher, we're going to talk about later. So if you run into something that's like if my number nine movie is, you know, say your number four movie. We're going to talk about it when we get to your number four movie. So That sounds good to me. Uh, let's go ahead and start. Uh, Cody, what's your number 10 film? Well, really quickly, I wanted to mention some honorable mentions. Oh, okay, uh, honorable mentions. Yeah, so honorable mentions, movies that just fell out of the top 10 for me. Um, uh, a, a documentary called My Old School that we never got to get to, but I saw it at Sundance. Really great, um, sort of like Stranger Than Fiction type documentary. Mm, um, good luck to you, Leo Grand, um, mm-hmm. a, a movie that I enjoyed that you did not enjoy as much as I did. Right. <laughs> um, the Banshees of Sharon, a movie that I feel um, mm-hmm. didn't quite get there for me, but was very close, like right on the outside looking in, as well as a couple other of movies uh, that were right on the outside looking in. Uh, Pearl, uh, mm-hmm. the horror movie by Ty West, as well as Decision to Leave, um, the uh, the Korean submission for the Oscars this year that appeared in our Houston Film Critics Society. That was probably right at my number 11, not quite in, but very, very close. 
Yeah, um, you know, uh, a couple of those are in my top ten, but uh, one of them that 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 I have honorable mention that I know you have in yours is uh, the Northman. Uh, I thought was really great. Um, you know, um, uh, there's one more than I. It's it's on the top of it's on the tip of my tongue, and I can't remember what it is. But um, yeah, let's just leave it at the Northman for now for my honorable mentions. So sure. Uh, but yeah, uh, it is. We'll we'll talk about that a little later. So, Cody, what is your number ten film? So my number ten is Till, um, a movie that uh, I, I believe you said that you did not quite get to. Yeah, so I, can, I know. I can kind of talk about it a little bit. But yeah, you know, it's it's the story of Emmett Till, and um, the thing that struck me about about this movie is that, you know, I think the the you know when you're when you're talking about a movie like this which is sort of like ingrained with a bit of you know very violent i mean it's a very violent story about a very awful thing that happened and mm-hmm. uh it's very unflinching in the way that it portrays the violence it does not sugarcoat the element of the violence but it also doesn't feel doesn't feel exploitive in terms of like the way that it shows it and so you know the thing that struck me is that it's a very delicate balance between wanting to be very real and wanting to be very authentic and also have a film that you could show in schools and show to, to like teenagers and, and stuff like that. Um, and as, as a story and, and like really be true to it without feeling like it's going over the top. And it, it sort of, you know, reminded me a lot of like a movie like Selma in a lot of ways where it sort of talks about this issue without again, sugarcoating it without with showing um real authenticity uh danielle deadweiler in the lead role i think is fantastic i think she's ever bit as deserving as of the award contention that she's getting and uh and yeah i mean i just walked away feeling like it's a very powerful very moving movie um not an easy watch by any stretch but uh one that feels essential yeah um so i'm gonna i'm sorry to follow up uh with my uh, honorable mentions um two two other two others that i had to add uh were hustle Oh, yeah. um, and uh, I, I really just enjoyed Confess Fletch a, oh, a yeah. whole lot. So sure. the Northman, Confess Fletch, and Hustle. Um, so my number 10, um, this is where I always put my uh, kind of goofball ones. Uh, so I'm going with a tie. Uh, and these are the ones that made me feel warm and fuzzy, Cody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. I don't know if you ever watched that. Did oh, you? Yeah. We talked okay. about it, I think. Did we? Here. No, we so. didn't. We didn't talk about it. We both saw it. We both saw it, but I don't think we did a show that week because uh, it's. I looked back at our episodes and it's not in there. Uh, man, if there was ever, like, forever, uh, there's there's been like this this ideal of a follow up to Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is a seminal moment in in animation live action films. Clearly, it's much easier to do now. But the effort and uh, time that went into that and the the kind of cross-pollination of characters interacting, um, this is as close as you're ever going to get to another Who Framed Roger Rabbit, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, just a whole lot of fun. Um, and that's a tie with uh, Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Um, <laughs> sure. It just, just a fucking good time for me. Um, even though I've heard the story like three times, um, I just I just loved loved living it. Um, so yeah, that's my my not as profound a pick as Till for sure, and sure. clearly not as uh, <laughs> historically important. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, that's my uh, number um, my uh, number ten film. So I'm gonna move on to uh, I'm gonna skip my number nine, and I'm gonna skip your number nine because my number nine is Top Gun Maverick. Yes. Um, and uh, your number nine is She Said. So yes. we'll talk about those a little later. Sure. So um, let's go to. Uh, uh, your number eight pick, Cody. 
Yeah, so my number eight is The Northmen, which was mm-hmm. a movie that was on your honorable mentions list. And uh, yeah, you know, it's it's Robert Eggers, the director who directed uh, movies like The Witch and um, The uh, Witch. The Witch. Uh, I don't know. And, is that and, how you say it? I don't know. It's like I, I think spelled it's the with witch, two technically. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and the lighthouse. And uh, to me, we've talked about this. We did a show on this. We both, I think, really liked it. Yeah. Um, and it's it's I think in again his most accessible film. Um, it feature it, it and it's very much a very classic sort of like Viking, uh, you know, Viking movie where you have this guy who is very driven by revenge and. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's super violent and it's, and it's very, um, naked fighting. Yeah. Naked fighting, animalistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the thing that I, that, that, that draws me to it is I think that it's very, um, you know, like I, I really enjoy the sort of raw elements of it. I think it's shot beautifully. Um, I, I think that it's, it, it, it takes a lot of story turns that I feel are really surprising as you watch it, because this could be just like a viking you know mythology tale but it's actually like a very narratively rich story that like takes interesting turns when you figure out what's going on like it is a revenge story but Uh there's elements that kind of like surprise you a little bit i think especially with what happens with like nicole Nicole kidman Kidman, in the movie Mm -hmm. and uh and yeah i just think it's a very cool very uh you know very interesting um uh film and i and i was glad to put it on my list yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah, I, I thought it was great. Um, it it just didn't crack my top ten, but man, it was, it was really visceral and fun. Um, I think that like first uh like attack that they have like on that this the village, it's so brutally shot. It's really crazy good. Yeah. Um. So my number uh, eight film is the Batman uh, movie. I know you weren't terribly fond of. Yeah. Um. But uh, I it's I I've seen it like three times now. Um, I think it's probably my my favorite rendition, uh, film rendition of the Batman character. I do think it gets a little long, but um, the the aesthetic of it, the performances in it, the the uh, the the treating of Batman as an actual detective, it's all things that we hadn't seen in a Batman film before. Obviously, the high watermark is the Dark Knight, um, you know, but that's kind of a pure action film. Uh, this is a bit of a you know. Uh, a mixture of sort of a thriller uh you get a kind of a, a little bit of a seven element in there i think is is fair to say um the only real thing that undoes it is kind of the the compl- the larger scale of the climax for me um you know uh but otherwise i i really really love this movie i love the music the michael Giacchino score is great this is of course directed by matt reeves who i know you are a fan of as well mm-hmm. um you know um I think, uh, uh, at least from my point of view, thankfully, this is one of those things that's going to be saved from whatever upheavals that happens at DC. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, just a, a really, a really, I, I, man, that opening uh, scene, I really, really love where where all the, the criminals think Batman's hiding in every shadow and he, he pops up in the subway. And mm-hmm. Anyway, um, that's my number eight. Uh, no, <coughs> excuse me, Cody, your number seven film. Sure. My number seven is After Yang, uh, a movie that came out. Uh, I saw it at Sundance uh, this past year, which is a, a running theme because my next movie I also saw at Sundance. But um, but yeah, it's a movie by the director Kogonada, who directed the movie uh, Columbus a couple of years ago. 
Um, it's a movie that features, um, in in my opinion, an equally as good performance from Colin Farrell as we see in Banshees of Inisherin. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of like this very, you know, I, I think I've I've talked about it on this show before, but when it comes to like sci- both sci-fi and horror, what I really love is like really intimate, small human stories within very sci-fi and horror context, and that's what we get with After Yang, which is a very <laughs> Uh, human story about uh, basically a, a, a an AI uh, who is is sort of like a sibling uh, to this family who who serves as like a Chinese sibling to a Chinese adopted child and he eventually like dies down and what they find is that like he has a memory bank and AIs aren't supposed to have memories and they kind of explore his memory and and what it is like to be an AI and what it is to have emotions. It's like a very meditative movie on emotion and memory and being alive. And uh, it's a very special, but very, very quiet, very subdued movie. Um, and I think that the performance from Colin Farrell is fantastic in it. Um, I think that the, the way that it incorporates and weaves in its sci-fi concepts um, is very smart and very, and, and very well uh, calculated and very well done. Um, again, you're not going to see a lot of, fireworks and highlights uh in terms of like very memorable things of the movie but i think it's just quietly very moving very stirring and uh, i i really thought it was great yeah it's that real low-key sci-fi that's sort of um you know where it's just it's not showy i i was i don't remember what grade i gave it i know i wasn't as fond of it as you were i thought it was a little derivative of something like westworld and even ex machina another movie i didn't really care for mm-hmm. um but i get it i get the 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 sentiment that you have for it um i just didn't didn't really echo it. i do think colin farrell's really good in it i think he's better in banshees of Inisherin personally but mm-hmm. um i understand I, I mean for for all the the i mean the crazy like three, we he was just in the bat, also in the Batman, which we just talked yeah. about, like unrecognizable, uh, which is, um, yeah, which I thought he was was really good into. Uh, apparently, going to start an HBO Max show that's not, oh, apparently yeah. not getting axed. Uh, anyway, uh, my where were we at? Number seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number seven uh, is Pearl, uh, which you mentioned uh, earlier in your honorable mention. Um, just a really uh, kind of refreshingly. Uh, original horror film that takes some inspiration uh, very clearly from The Wizard of Oz. Uh, a really great performance by Mia Goth. That's that's another one who I'm uh, disappointed didn't make a showing in the Houston yeah. Film Critics Society Awards. Yeah. Um, because there's that uh, how long is that monologue? Like six or seven it's like minutes? Six or seven minutes, yeah. Um, at the end of the film that's really great. The only My only problem with the movie is it's a little bit of prequelitis uh, referencing X, a movie I still haven't watched, by the way. Um, just because I liked Pearl so much, I didn't feel the need to revisit, to go back and visit X. Okay. I will eventually. Um, but yeah, just a really uh, kind of surprising, out-of-nowhere film for me um, that that I think, uh, um, you know, I, I, Mia Goth is really great uh, in the film, and I, I think uh, not enough can be said about the fact that she's also a co-screenwriter on the film. Yeah. Um, with uh, Ty West. Yeah. I mean, it didn't miss by much for me. I mean, I mm-hmm. think it, her performance is, I think, quite honestly, one of the best performances of the year by any actor or actress in any category. She's fantastic in it. And I think that it's by far my favorite horror movie of the year, maybe even of like the last couple of years. Um, it's just so well executed, so well done. 
Uh, it's it's like one of those horror movies that doesn't have to rely on the on the like the jump scares, but it's like legitimately unsettling because you get to see the slow unraveling of this yeah. character like in real time. And she is truly fucking terrifying. There is some really great, uh, like practical effects in it too. Uh Um, that that are really like, and this this is a a horror movie that doesn't uh, shy away from the brutality of it all. I mean, this is a hard, hard R. Yeah. Um, but man, it's 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 such a good performance, and it's such a fun movie. Yeah. Um. Okay. Moving on. Uh, my number six film uh, is The Fablemans, which we'll talk about a little later. Mm -hmm. Uh, your number six film, Cody. My number six film is Living, a movie um, uh, that is has not really come out in the United States yet. I saw it last January in Sundance, um, but it will be out in a couple of months, and maybe we'll talk about it. But it's a it's a remake of the Kurosawa film Ikiru, um, mm-hmm. which uh, is considered one of his best films, um, and it's a, it's it stars uh, Bill Nye, the the actor guy, yes, the science guy. Um, I love Bill Nye. He, Not he the is, science guy, but the actor guy. Yeah, and I think this is like a, a one of the best performances he's ever had. Essentially, it's a place about a, a it's, it's about a man who uh, who sort of works a very bureaucratic job in in like uh, in like uh, like he works in public works and for like a city, and so it's about like how he gets stuck in the bureaucracy of his job, and then he fig- he finds out that he only has six months to live and. Um, decides that he's tired of not having a life worth living and and tries to engage himself in in like you know trying to become alive and uh, and then and like make something of his work and, and have something to be proud of um, again sort of similar to after yang super subdued it's very British it's a very very <laughs> British movie um, in that it's very quiet um, there's no there's almost no fireworks. But Bill Nye is 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 fucking terrific in it. I think it's one of the best performances of the year. Um, it's very um, emotionally moving. It does something interesting with the narrative in the middle of it that I won't really spoil here. But um, you know, a movie that uh, uh, you know it had been a year almost since I've watched it, and I watched it the other night, and it was kind of in the running, and it kind of shot right up my list in terms of just you know the effectiveness it has and its emotional beats and. Um, and, and again, I really love a quiet movie that does understated things in ways that leave an imprint. And I feel like this movie accomplishes that. Yeah, I, uh, I, I need to um, uh, request the uh, screener link because I haven't seen the film yet. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I love Bill Nye. Um, is, it, is it so British that you can't understand them? Have you ever watched a British movie where they're <laughs> clearly speaking English, but you just can't understand them? I, I may. I I. I did not need the subtitles for this one. Um, I had them on just in case, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I got through it pretty okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's move on to uh, number five. Yeah. Uh, my number five movie, uh, which you had at number nine, is She Said. Yeah. I mean, I came to this late. Yes. Uh, I didn't see this when this originally screened, uh, but as soon as I watched it, it really just shot up the list. Um, and I think um, this is a trend. Um you know, with uh, these these journalism process movies, uh, we talked about it before. Uh, we talked about a movie like um, uh, shit. What is it? Uh, God damn it! What's the Catholic one? Uh, Spotlight. Spotlight. Uh, talking about that, uh, the Post, which both of us uh, I think thought was okay, uh, but like this stuff. Um, and then the the real life documentary. Shit. What was the one about? Collective. Um, the, was it the collective? Not. The, was it the collective, the one about uh, the, the Romanian hospital? Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a documentary, clearly. But this yeah, journalistic, 
That movie's like number one and like number three on on your list, number three on my list. That movie's incredible. Yes, that movie was fucking ruled. Um, this journalistic process stuff. And um, part of that for me probably comes from my time serving uh, as a journalist in journalism. Um, I don't know that I miss it um, because it's stressful. <laughs> sure. Um, and I don't 100% know this isn't just a New York Times blowjob. Of a, <laughs> and that was probably the wrong word to say, the wrong thing to say about this movie. But yes. uh, let's just say Massage. it. But yes, uh, something like that. That it, that it's really uh, uh, hyping up the New York Times because this is this is clearly. Um, uh, well, I mean, it's it's about the Harvey Weinstein scandal, um, and several times during the film, um, it gets asked, "Is this important?" Mm-hmm. And I think it's a valid question to ask. Um, because clearly sexual assault in the workplace is is an important topic. Um, you know, the the lines get blurred when it's about like celebrity and you you have big name celebrities in this film uh playing themselves. You have Ashley Judd, mm. um, you have the voice of Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh I assume that's really her voice, right? I never looked, I'm not sure. I, I thought it was. I thought I saw it somewhere. But you have Ashley Judd playing herself. On screen. Uh, on screen. Um, and who ha- is a plays a, a role in a pivotal moment of the film. Um, you have uh, um, uh, really solid performances by uh, Carrie Mulligan and, and Zoe Kazan. Um, you get uh, good, great supporting performances. Andre Brower, uh, Patricia Clarkson. Samantha Morton. Samantha Morton. Um, you know, it, it's just... It's it's invigorating the way that this plays out. Um, I don't. I think you mentioned this before. It doesn't have a super showy moment, right? But it's really, really solid and really, really well done. Yeah. Um, and it's you know it's one of those things. And I believe I asked you when this happened when we reviewed it, um, because I hadn't seen it yet. If it if it sort of diminishes it, um, like. Because we've it's so recent and you kind of followed it a little mm-hmm. bit. And I don't think it does. Like the the Beto O'Rourke documentary from whenever the fuck it was, we watched that. I mean, like I knew all that shit. Like yeah. that was nothing new. Um this is again, probably nothing new, but man, is it is it really it's super well done and just super um you know, captivating to watch. For sure. Yeah, and I had it at number nine and I think um you know, the, the the it's very 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 similar to Spotlight mm-hmm. in that it almost plays out with the same tone, with the same kind of structure. You know, you you follow these investigative reporters talking to witnesses and people involved yeah. in the story, and and you and you kind of figure out stuff as they figure out stuff, and that it all builds to breaking a story mm-hmm. from a newspaper. And yeah. you know, I, uh, I you know I agree with you in that we what we talked about and what I talked about in my review here was that there's not any one thing about the movie that is transcendent. And I think that's why it was a little bit lower on my list because there isn't that like one super showy performance or there's not that really one big explosive moment or scene. But everything is just so solid about it. I mean, yeah, the script is really solid. All the performances are good. I think Carrie Mulligan is really great. I think Samantha Morton in her very, like she has like one scene and I think she's really, really good in it. Um, and I think that, you know, to its favor, it features a story that we're all mildly familiar with mm-hmm. in a way that's like, 
you know, considering trying to make this movie like three years ago and making the movie now, like super brave to like put this out there. Like even though this guy is behind bars and being sentenced, you know, it's it doesn't shy or flinch away from naming him by name or featuring him as a voice in the movie. And um, I I really appreciate that. And I think that it's a really important story to tell. And I think it's told very, very well. So, you know, just one of those movies, you know, every, every year there's, you know, a handful of movies that are like, maybe not the most exciting movies, but just executed to perfection. And I think this movie is just really well executed. Yeah. And I believe it's uh, now, I think it just became available on Peacock. Yeah. Uh, so you can watch that now. Um, uh, sorry, where are we at? Number five. Uh, so your number five movie, Cody. My number five is a movie called Hit the Road. It's a movie from Iran, and it is a, a movie sort of about um, a family going on a road trip um, to smuggle their adult son out of the country. and uh, But like it's a mother, father, adult son, and then a child. Um, and it's like a road trip movie where along the way, you know, the child is like a little bit rambunctious and the father has like a broken leg and he's on a cast and it, and it, and it kind of like, you know, if you've seen any movies from Iran in the, in the past few years, they're very serious and very, um, you know, they're very, they're about very serious topics. And yeah, it's, I would assume that a place with that much strife is probably not turning out comedic films right which is why this movie is so refreshing because it's like one of the funniest movies of the year i mean like i was laughing out loud throughout this movie especially um with the with the character of the father i think it it features a a kid who like toes that line between being absolutely obnoxious but also very funny um and it has these moments of like really solemn like heartbreaking realism but it's really counterbalanced by a really light touch i've seen some comparisons to like little miss sunshine and i think that's actually Hmm. a pretty good and interesting comparison in terms of tone um and a movie i just found really really enjoyable and warm and fuzzy and um uh while also like not uh, straying away from the seriousness of what it's been told it was also on barack obama's best movies of the year list so <laughs> i'm in good company here but yeah uh it, it's a movie that I, I i think is 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 a is is really good it really took me si- by surprise a late entry into my list i was kind of watching it as i filled in uh my screeners for the year and and, and uh and, and really took me off guard so um, i'm a big fan of it cool uh let's go ahead and move on uh your number four movie cody is uh are we skipping your number five mine was she said Oh, okay. Yeah, so we're on number four. I, I'm, I'm arranging these in, in, gotcha. in a certain order. So your number four movie, Cody. Yeah, so my number four is Top Gun Maverick, and uh, it was weird to put it this high. Um, <laughs> Who would have ever thought, right? I mean, seriously, yeah, when this sure. movie's been talked about for years, I have a – I can't reach it. There's a Transformer that they made that's a transforming F-14 mm-hmm. that's a Pete Maverick – mitchell uh like character it's a it's a fucking robot but it's dated 2020 because that's when this fucking movie was supposed to come out yeah yeah and it's a movie interestingly again until this year before i saw maverick i had never seen top gun i had no affinity <laughs> for the original uh and uh and, and it's not a good movie it's no it's a bad movie yeah the first top gun sucks it's not good <laughs> and i and i watched it first and then i went into top gun maverick and and it's just i mean i don't know what else to say about it other than than what we talked about when it came out 
which is that, in my opinion, it's a perfect Hollywood popcorn movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I cannot remember the last time, maybe since Inception, that I liked a Hollywood mm. summer movie this much, where I feel like it is designed to be seen in theaters. It is designed to be a crowd pleaser. Um, I saw it four times at the theater. It's a movie that I've seen more than any other movie this year. Uh, and I think that every single beat pays off. I think that it's a, it's that type of sequel that, you know, we talked about this a little bit, in my opinion, with Dr. Sleep, where you have these sequels that make the original better yeah. because, like, it fixes some problems and contextualizes stuff that actually makes you go, huh, maybe that first movie is, like, more interesting or more narratively rich. And just like I thought Dr. Sleep makes The Shining better, I think Top Gun Maverick makes the original Top Gun way better. Man, I don't know if I agree with that, but I, I <laughs> uh, that's probably a little step too far because I don't know that it – I mean, other <sighs> – I mean, maybe, maybe yeah. a little, maybe. Okay, I, if I, everybody's seen this movie by now, yeah. so I think maybe the Iceman stuff recontextualizes a little bit. Maybe sure. a little bit with uh, um, uh, the relationship with Goose and uh, the Meg Ryan's character from the oh, first yeah. film. Um, I mean, I think it makes the Goose stuff much more narratively rich. As a result yeah. of this movie, I mean, let's yeah. But, but if the first it... movie is is bad, yes. like it has no character development, and it it basically ends in a fart. Like yes, but this movie makes you care about that stuff more. Mm-hmm. And again, even if we're just keeping it to this movie, the, just the sort of like the um, the cinematography that all takes place like the fact that everyone's flying a real fucking plane in this movie like <laughs> tom cruise is really flying these jets and stuff. i don't care about that generally yeah but this was really fucking cool like i don't give a shit <laughs> i don't give a shit that tom hanks is I mean, tom hanks tom cruise is really hanging off the side of a plane yeah i don't care because i can see something just as real regardless yeah um this was really fucking cool though yeah, and I think it plays off in like so. I was listening to the the Blank Check podcast, which is a film review podcast with David Sims and Griffin Newman, and they were talking about the construction of the movie, and and they they mentioned something that I think I didn't quite get until I heard them say it, and then I'm like, yes, I totally agree. This is the brilliance of the movie, which is that this whole movie, they're talking about like how difficult the maneuver is that they have to do in order to get there. And they're like, and then from there, it's a dogfight from here on out. And they show like Tom Cruise practicing the maneuver, which is like the best fucking scene in the movie, which is super cool where he just like hijacks a plane and does the maneuver. And then Mm -hmm. once they get to that scene, it's super riveting to see them get through it. And then they have the dogfight scene, which up until that point has just been mentioned as this like, oh, it's a dogfight until then. It's a dogfight. And then once you get there, it like has this last bullet in the chamber of being this crazy intense like airplane fight scene that is only mentioned. And then you get to see it through once you're like through the initial like insane energetic point of the movie, which I think is like, like, like I said, when I heard them say that, I'm like, oh, yeah, that is the brilliance of the movie. So, again, it's a. As I said before, it's a capital M movie. It's super fun. It's super exhilarating. It's a movie that I feel would benefit greatly from seeing it in a theater. But um, a movie, I, like, what can I say? I can't. I saw this movie four times in the theater. I can't <laughs> put it below where it is now. I, and, okay, so I uh, when the film came out, that was the week I had surgery. 
Mm-hmm. So I didn't get to see it for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd only heard great things, and it, it is really great. I, I, I hesitate. It's on my list at uh, what did I have it at number nine? Mm-hmm. Um, I hesitate to read into the brilliance of a scene like that. That's literally just copying Star Wars. I'm fine with the way it played out. I liked it. That is the trench run, but reversed. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay with. I mean, it's it's a great scene uh, reading into the brilliance of the like the plotting of it let's slow down a little bit uh the one thing i did like um and i guess because i was kind of spoiled uh by the original film being kind of a plotless bore um <laughs> is that this has actual like callbacks like in the plot like and again maybe this is again just a little naivete on my part um I was surprised when they steal an F-14 from this unnamed country's base. I was like, oh, shit, that's a brilliant callback that I didn't expect this this movie that's a legacy sequel to a what was essentially a propaganda film in the 80s. Um, <laughs> a, recruiting, a, a recruiting film. A recruiting film. Um, you know, uh, to, to have a decent callback plot-wise to its own legacy... Other than Tom Cruise being there, um, you know, I did. It's like, oh shit! They just made. They went and made a real movie out of this, mm-hmm. um, you know, from something that was essentially a music video in the eighties. Um, you know, that said, there are some things that are a tad annoying. Um, that you know, I don't know why everybody hates his guts. Like you get Ed Harris shows up for like five minutes to tell him how much he fucking hates him. Uh, John Hamm spends the entire movie talking about how much he fucking hates Maverick. And by the movie's own mythology, he's the biggest hero the Navy's ever had. (laughs) I don't get it, but I mean, it's fine. It's fine. It all kind of comes out in the wash there. If there, there are those things that, that, that do have a bit of like, what, why does he hate him? Like what? Like he's the only guy that's ever been in a dog fight in 35 years. Um, but you know, whatever I, I love, um, you know, I, I think uh, the uh, Jennifer Connelly character is a great uh, addition, like a nice um, age-appropriate love interest for sure. for Tom Hanks. Um, that's a reference to the original film that's was kind of tossed off. Um, I think Miles Teller's good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I really like. Um, oh shit, uh, Hangman. What's his name? I forgot his Glenn name. Glenn Powell. The, Glenn Powell. I really like him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, just a, it's a really well done, you're right, really well done capital M movie. Um, and especially to re- to rescue the legacy of this movie. And I mean, all credit probably goes to Tom Hanks for, God damn it, Tom Cruise. It's the second <laughs> yeah. time I've done that. Uh, for this, like, willing this thing into existence and, and actually shaping it into something entertaining. The, the idea that this movie is not only really good, but was a giant box office success Mm -hmm. is a testament to tom cruise's willingness to like get this thing right you know this was a movie like you said that was made in 2020 and was very purposely held until the end of the or not the end but like when the pandemic slowed down and it was totally the right move like i mean you Mm -hmm. can't question in any way that 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 they played this perfectly because what it ended up doing was it was the first movie that truly signaled like a return to normalcy for 
theatrical yeah. cinema. I mean, like you cannot question that. And well, I think it's, I don't mm-hmm. know that it's the first one. It's the, I mean, I, I would say like No Way Home. Sure, but but in terms of like the the sort of like blockbuster must see, but maybe the one, go to the theater, maybe too. the ones that are gonna, maybe it's the four quadrant movies. If sure. you're if you're speaking like that, maybe right. this is the first big four quadrant thing to bring people back. Yeah, and I think Avatar is probably the second. Yes. So yeah, I mean, just yeah, again, the the idea that this movie was yeah not only good but a massive success. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's fucking crazy. Like I saw somebody tweet this. Um, like Tom Tom Cruise is the one guy that a cult has ever like totally worked out for. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. Uh so anyway, let's move on. Uh um my number 4 movie and we're going to combine this cuz it's your number 3 movie. Uh Marcel the Shell with Shoes on. Yes. So, uh I'm going to let you talk about this, Cody, uh because you were the first one to see this. I saw this fairly recently. Yeah, and we haven't talked about this one together, yeah. so it's it's interesting. Uh, yeah, so this is a movie I saw at South by Southwest and thought was fine, and, and I enjoyed it. And then I saw it again when it came out theatrically a few months later, and I just fell in love with it. I mean, I think it's it's a movie that is um, – so so essentially it's adapted from, um, from originally like a short film and then eventually – and then it became like a book, and it's a character that Jenny Slate does, um, and it is – uh, it would turn into a feature by Dean Fleischer Camp, the director of it. And, you know, eligible for best animated film at the Oscars, which is a kind of like a miracle because the movie is, is like sort of like stop motion animation. And it's it's a tr- it's wrong, but I get it. Yeah. Like it should not be best animated. I mean, if, if you weren't going to nominate the Lego movie. Right. And this is going to get best animated feature. It anyway, is. Whatever. It is an interesting choice, but. Um, a, a movie that is like it's it's really hard. I think it's really hard to capture the movie because it's not. It's definitely not a kids movie. Uh, it is an A twenty four, you know, family quote film, but a movie that is just so smart and a movie that features like this like Herculean voice performance from Jenny Slate, who is just so fantastic as Marcel and. A movie that is so simple in its storytelling, which is just very simply, you know, uh, uh, Marcel is a shell who uh, whose family gets lost, and all Marcel has is his grandmother. And a documentary filmmaker moves in the house as an Airbnb and finds Marcel, and they work to try to find the family. And that's it. That's basically the movie. And I mean, at this when you let's pare this down a little bit more mm-hmm. it's a googly-eyed shell yes it's like something you'd buy at like a souvenir stand yes yeah yeah it's a, it's it's very uh cheap looking and um and and, and the reason that it works is it's 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 script is very like it, it balances this thing with being very silly and goofy with like moments of very profound thought from marcel it's got this very uh striking family relationship yeah. especially mm-hmm. between marcel and his grandmother um which uh, I think, played by isabella rossellini yes <laughs> yeah crazy and, which i think every beat of that marcel and grandmother story works i mean i think every single piece of it works i love the element that it brings in with the director and how the director like is involved in it and and it's sort of like is this funny play on like the TikTok generation of social media 
as it gets through it and like how that is like ruining a bunch of stuff it has this great subplot with leslie stahl from 60 minutes which i i love that that is that like incorporated as a very real thing and i don't know what to say about this movie other than it's like a big old giant warm hug of a movie where yeah it's 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 sad in moments it's profound in moments but also like i don't know a movie that made me feel better uh than anything this year and i just really really love it i mean we watched it last week um i had i'd missed out on the screening um popped in the the screener dvd and man it it's so good <laughs> and it's so <laughs> like like it's a like genuinely tear jerking oh sure like yeah. there's a scene um that like this kind of culmination of of two things come together uh that's what culmination means but uh this culmination of of two plot points and man it's so it's it's genuinely sad but like then hopeful yeah um and man i mean it's just like jenny slate is great um this voice performance is is really good there's there's so many little gags um <laughs> yeah there's a scene uh, where uh, uh, Dean Fleischer Camp uh, drives Marcel around to look around, <laughs> yeah. and Marcel keeps throwing up, yeah. like just these little barfs of, <laughs> I guess, carrots or something, and it's so funny, um, and you know, like, again, like I said, this is a googly-eyed shell like you'd buy at a, a souvenir shop at the beach or whatever, but like that never really plays into it. Like it's just accepted that this little shell is alive. Like it's it's its concept is way way you know more uh, esoteric and strange than it than it comes across on the surface. Mm -hmm. um, you know, becomes this movie about family <coughs> and friendship, and you know, um, <coughs> going out of your comfort zone. Um, and God, it's just so good, <laughs> yeah. and it's so genuinely moving. Um, that I was I was kind of taken aback by how emotional it made me. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's it's I mean, it's there's nothing nothing to say, but it's delightful. And I think a big warm hug is is right, too. Yeah. Um, you know, there and there's little bits of, um, <clears throat> you know, like like you said, like the celebrity culture, like the TikToks, like, you know, helping Marcel find his family and, you know, uh popping up across pop culture like Conan O'Brien and uh, 60 Minutes, of course, figures huge into it. Um, yeah, I mean, just just really, really, really good movie. Yeah, and and just, like, moments of, like, very funny stuff. Like, there's a moment of, of like, Marcel, like, like finding hairs in the sh in the sh in the shower the uh -huh, yes, like yeah. super funny and and there's and there's times where like uh where like Dean Fleischer Camp is trying to sing and Marcel is like busting his balls yeah. about about and the, singing and stuff like just like little moments that are just like genuinely very funny as well. And then like the the little world building it does with the shells like mm -hmm. the idea that Marcel <coughs> like walks in honey so he can step on the wall or yeah. steps in honey so he can walk on the walls. <coughs> Excuse me, just really really and it it's it's really good. I'm 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 disappointed that it took me so long to see it. Yeah. Um anyway, uh, so yeah, that's your number three. Um, uh, my number three uh, is everything everywhere all at once. We'll talk about it in a minute. Uh, so I'm gonna go move on to my uh, number two film. 
Uh, sorry, let's move on to your number two film, Cody, uh, which is the Fablemans. Yes, uh, also on your list. Um, yes, my so number, uh, my number uh, eight, six, six, six movie was the Fablemans. Nice. So yeah, the Fablemans, the Steven Spielberg movie, um, and yeah, I mean, I I, I feel like. Um, you know, we, we talked about it in de- in pretty great detail here, and uh, and it's interesting because I was thinking back on our review of it, and I think the things that you liked about it, or excuse me, the things that you had problems with were the things that actually sent it over the top for me when I watched it a second time, hmm. which were the family elements of it. Because yeah. what, what, what really becomes the, the, the main story of The Fablemans is this story of, of Spielberg's youth, and... Um, it's it's very autobiographical, so it is a story of of Steven Spielberg coming coming of age, you know, starting as a child and then especially as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, and after we watched the Fablemans and we reviewed it, I went back and watched the Spielberg documentary on HBO, mm-hmm. and it 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 talked it had Spielberg talk very openly about uh, his life. And what I didn't realize, and I guess I never put together, were thematically how divorce has been a theme of Spielberg's for a very long time. You know, it, it's it's really explored in things like Close Encounters, but um, but but you know, you know, there's a split and a divorce within like War of the Worlds, and like a, you know, children getting back to his father, and like you know, as you start to like unravel the pieces of it, you're like, you know, Steven Spielberg at age what, like he's like 75 at this point is is like the idea that at age 75 he's making probably his most personal work to date is such an interesting thing to me and i think you know yes it is a great thing about his his love letter not to movies but to movie making right as we talked about it's 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 very yeah. much a love letter to making films and being a filmmaker and and there's just you know rewatching it there's so many great like visual shots in that movie, I really love the idea of you know the direct the, the character of Sammy like having these life altering family situations unfold in front of him, and when you cut to Sammy, he's like seeing how and figuring out how he would shoot it, right? So like yeah, seeing how cinematic it would be and like how he would frame it and like what he would do and like he's visioning himself holding a camera, and I think and and like the stuff like that really hit me on that second time around where I'm like shit, like this is a very in-depth performance or in-depth look at Spielberg's you know not only his childhood and his adolescence and his love for filmmaking but how he processed you know the trauma of having a divorce within his family and a difficult childhood through filmmaking and perhaps his distance to like keeping it at a distance and processing it through movie making and stuff like that and so that's the stuff that's really thematically rich for me I think Gabriel LaBelle, who plays teenage Spielberg, gives one of the best performances of the year. I nominated him in my ballot. I wish he would have made it. I think he's fantastic. Um, And I think Paul Dano is fantastic as well. I also nominated him. Um, And, yeah, I just just feel like um, it's Steven Spielberg, who, again, is one of my favorite directors of all time. I think it's his best movie in 20 years. Mm -hmm. And, um, And just was, you know, I really liked it after first watch. After second watch, it really stuck with me, and um, I really think that it's a, a one of the best movies of the year. Yeah. Um, I, by the way, did you uh, have Judd Hirsch as best supporting actor? I did. Yeah. I had so both did I. him and Dano in. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have. I didn't put Dano in, but uh, Judd Hirsch is is 
comes in. We talked about this. Comes in and, and kind of steals the movie. Yeah. Um. I. You know. I've only seen it the once. Um. You know. My problem with the family stuff mostly lied in in the kind of out there stuff that uh, with with Michelle Williams. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe it's uh, it's it's clearly somewhat autobiographical. I don't know how much of it is is autobiographical. I don't. I haven't done any research. I don't know what what's out there is being named as, as specifically autobiographical, but the character of Michelle Williams uh, still to me comes across a little bit of a, of a more like a caricature than anything. Um, you know, cause there's, there's kind of the bizarre scene where she's dancing in like a see-through dress that, you know, he, he's capturing the cinematic nature of it, but um, it's still weird. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's the, that's the 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 plot line I couldn't really reconcile totally. I still think it's a great movie, and I think it when it's when it's about filmmaking, it's really really good. Um, and we mentioned how great that final scene is, yeah. uh, paired with that final shot. I mean, it's just it's killer. Um, you know, that said, uh, I I still think it's a really 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 great movie. Um, you know, it's again, it's it's kind of a shame that no one really gives a shit, uh, <laughs> sure. box office wise. That's very true. Um, you know, that movie and uh, uh, again, like Babylon, like no one care uh, these these like platform releases. No one seems to care anymore. Um, so it it is interesting that that this is coming from one of the most successful commercial directors of all time, and no one gives a shit. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a testimony, I think, to how tastes have, have really changed in the last 30 years. Because um, you look at Top Gun Maverick, huge, massive hit. Would have been a huge hit probably in 1986. Um, what are the top, let's see, what's the top 10 movies of 1986 box office-wise? I bet there's a, uh, um, a drama on that list. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. It's it's the idea that that a movie like Spielberg could have made this movie um, in 1986 and it would have uh, it would have been a hit because, OK, the top 10 movies of uh, of uh, 1986 Top Gun, of course. Mm-hmm. Second movie is Crocodile Dundee, a comedy. Uh, the third is Platoon, a, yeah. a, a an Oliver Stone drama. There's no way in the world any of that would happen. Like that would not happen in this 21st century. It's just crazy how these things have changed. Yeah. Um, and it's a little bit sad, I guess, uh, that that these sort of movies are being cast by the wayside. Like, and, and maybe they live on streaming. I know Spielberg is a, not the biggest fan of streaming, but maybe this movie lives just on streaming. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're you're totally right. Where this sort of like adult-oriented drama uh, doesn't really have a place as a box office success. And I mean, you look at like you said, Spielberg, and we we you and I have had this discussion off podcast about like the trajectory of Spielberg as a as a mainstream box office filmmaker, and how this it it is like truly shocking that you know this movie was on. VOD within like yeah. six weeks, uh, and and we're talking about like the one of the biggest filmmakers of all time having a mm-hmm. movie that is on streaming within six weeks, yeah. and it's crazy. I mean, for some perspective, 
and, and I'm going to go back to 1986 just because of Top Gun Maverick being the biggest film this year. It's yeah. the biggest film in 1986 is the first Top Gun. Spielberg is on the list with at, at number six domestic box office with the fucking color purple. Like yeah. there's no chance in hell that that uh, that that movie released this year it cracks the top 10 ever right and it's totally. so it's it, like this is probably finally the year where this this all comes home to roost and these maybe these mid-budget adult oriented movies kind of disappear forever well and it's particularly particularly disappointing because i feel like this is such a good movie and mm-hmm. i wish that more people I mean, th- I mean, I think prob- prob- like a lot of the problem lies within the marketing because I don't know. I mean, how many people like m- saw this movie being advertised for one, but you know, much less saw that it was like a Steven Spielberg autobiographical, you know, I mean, thing. I don't. I I'm for for real. I don't know if it matters. Sure. Especially when fair. you can. Especially when you know in the back of your mind you're going to see it on VOD in three weeks. Sure. Or or worst case scenario, six weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, by that time you're like, oh shit, I totally forgot that I could rent uh this Spielberg movie for ten bucks. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it too with Confess Fletch, a movie that clearly had zero marketing and performed that way. Um, you know, I don't know that anybody would have given a shit though either. Yeah. Like this is probably there was probably a movie that was destined for Netflix destined for some sort of streaming service um which is again disappointing because it's you know these things are probably going to die yeah like they're probably not going to have like look at uh, i mean probably somebody who's adapted to it well is adam sandler like those movies like his netflix deal like clearly he's made a ton of money but those movies live on netflix and they do probably amazingly Probably, like, yeah. It's yeah. it. They're clearly he's still making them, uh, but you try to release Hubie Halloween in a theater, and it's probably <laughs> not gonna get any traction. You try to release yeah. Hustle in a theater, and no one's oh, gonna give a shit. Would see that. Yeah, nobody. Um, that. You know, people only saw uh, uh, Uncut Gems in the theater because it was so crazy and, and well received. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I fear that that that. that especially with something like the Fablemans, this is a harbinger of things that are to come. Like these things aren't going to be made. If you're not going to be made or you're only going to see them on streaming. Yeah. And I wish you were wrong, but I don't have any reason to believe (laughs) that you are. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, moving on. uh, My number two, uh, one we talked about already uh, in your honorable mentions, but uh, the Banshees of Inishirin. Uh, This is a film I came to super late. Um, Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a, not as big a fan of Martin McDonough as you are. I thought like Three Billboards was okay. Um, uh, God, I can't remember what else we talked about. In Bruges. Um, In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths. Seven, I've never seen Seven Psychopaths. Uh, but anyway, um, God, just a, a really um, such a lived in film as far as I'm concerned. Like I felt like uh, Inishirin is not a real place. This takes place during um, is it the tw- is it the twenties? I think the, it's uh, the twenties. Twenties, like the Irish uh, Revolution. You're here across the distant sh- on the distant shore, um, man. Just so such a well done film, such a funny movie, such a great performance by uh, Colin Farrell. 
Um, I really, again, love Barry Keoghan in this movie. I think he has a one of the best scenes in the film, uh, along with Carrie Condon. Um, you know, um, I saw this mentioned as like uh, uh, a movie about trying to get rid of a dud, and it's <laughs> right. such a it's such a an apt description of it. Um, you know, the the every line reading from from Colin Farrell is is like filled with like this pathos and this like misunder like almost childlike misunderstanding of what's happening. Yeah. Um you know, um I don't think it 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 doesn't play him as a, you know, a a kind of dumb guy uh which it could easily have done. Um just uh kind of a an epically clueless guy who doesn't know what's going on. And and another great performance again. Um I think it's it's kind of um you know, it's a little too small to be t- to be showy enough, but uh, uh, Brendan Gleeson's really, really good in the movie. Uh, you mentioned this, and it's a great line about uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Colin Farrell's character says something about it takes two to tango, and and Brendan Gleeson responds that he doesn't want to tango, he doesn't want to dance, but he was just dancing with his dog. Like it's <laughs> yeah. it's just such a it's it's so funny, um, it's so well done uh, in the the dry Irish humor that's there. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just, I, I instantly fell in love watching this movie, um, when it yeah. hit HBO max, it, it just fell out of my top 10. I think my biggest issue was, was it with it was, I, I, I did find it to be very, very funny. I think that for me, the thing that missed was, I feel like, um, the sort of, I, I had trouble connecting with the more serious elements of it. Like I, I had trouble seeing like the uh, uh, like the like the message or meaning behind it on a deeper level. Yeah, I, I did think it was a little bit surface level, and I wish that it wasn't as surface level. Um, that being said, it is for me, in my opinion, McDonough's funniest movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's it's again not his best, but I do think it's probably his funniest. And Colin Farrell is fantastic. It's a very tragic, uh, but funny character who has just like this really clueless sense where you know the, the the whole idea behind the movie is that he want like brendan gleason wants him to stop talking like just to leave him alone yeah and colin farrell just can't help himself multiple times throughout the movie to just like say something and completely lose the idea behind it yeah and, uh yeah it's yeah like you said trying to shake loose a dud <laughs> yeah and the the idea that that um you know brendan gleason's character is is severely depressed yeah um i think yeah that does I can see it getting a little lost in the mix of it being a little too lighthearted at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just, I think it was, it was so well done and, and just, just kind of a, uh, a delight to watch. That is, mm-hmm. um, let's move on. Um, uh, sorry, I'm just reading a comment that came <laughs> in, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I'm going to go ahead and move on to, uh, to my number one movie. Cause I want to talk about, uh, your number one movie, uh, collectively my number one movie, um, again, not um, not a, a popular pick for for anybody's top movie, uh, but Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, uh, hands down the best time I've had at the theater this year. Um, this was one we did get to see in the theater um, at a screening about a month before it hit Netflix, um, right in the thick of of the the discourse about why the fuck isn't Netflix releasing this theatrically when it made a shit ton of money in a yeah. week, um, you know. I get it. I get that argument. I also get that Netflix is looking to to drive drive subscribers. No one understands Netflix <coughs> at this point. <coughs> Their business strategy seems to be all over the map. 
Um, but God damn it, this movie was so much fun. Um, I know you didn't like it quite as much as the first Knives Out, um, but I do think it is funnier than the first one. I think it's um, it's got a great ensemble cast. It's got a great performance by um, um, Janelle Monet, which we talked about. Um, I really like Daniel Craig in this movie. I think Edward Norton has his best role in years um, in this movie. Um, kind of, excuse me, uh, playing the um, the Elon Musk uh, stand-in, if you want to call it that. Uh, there's some great nods to it that I missed in the theater. I haven't re- got to rewatch it yet. Um, there's a, a scene where he's dressed as Tom Cruise's character <laughs> from uh, Magnolia, from Magnolia, yeah. uh, which is such a shit-eating movie um, that it's fun to take down. Um, you know, um, I, I'm again, I, I'll echo this that I said when we watched it the first time, I'll watch these as long as, as Ryan Johnson keeps making them. Cause I think they're, mm-hmm. they're just fun, um, uh, ensemble movies. Uh, it's an, again, an adult movie <coughs> that probably has its, its prime home on Netflix. I mean, clearly there was a theatrical audience for this, but, um, uh, you know, these. This is where it's ninety nine percent of the people are going to see it, and I think that's fine. Um, yeah, and I think this. I mean, this would have been in my top twenty. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it, very shortly outside of the honorable mentions, and yeah, I mean, I think I, I do agree with you. I do think it is funnier than Knives Out. Uh, Knives Out was a top ten movie for me the year that it came out. I hold I hold it in really high esteem. And yeah, I agree with you. I mean, as long as Ryan Johnson keeps making these with Daniel Craig and we get Benoit Blanc movies every mm-hmm. couple of years from here to eternity, I'm good with that. Um, I, th- I think that, uh, you know, both the mystery and the story were not as good as the first one, but, you know, I, I do think that there's really enjoyable elements of it. I think it's it's oddly relevant given, you know, and, and of course, you know, Ryan Johnson has said that Elon Musk was not the exact person he was thinking about here. It was more of like a you know, a general tech billionaire people, yeah. but like, but like the idea that it came out at the exact right time. Yes. 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 Was, is just kind of crazy. And, and, and I do enjoy, um, the way that it unfolds. And I, as we talked about when we reviewed it, you know, Ryan Johnson has this really interesting way of constructing these movies where he's not afraid to reveal his cards. And mm-hmm. when the cards come out, you get like the, the movie just sort of flips on its head a little bit and you get a completely different take of what you thought you were getting. And I think it's just such a smart way to do these whodunit type movies. So it didn't fall too far. It's definitely in my top 20 for the year. Um, I did not dislike it by any means, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, let's go ahead and move on to uh, your number one movie, which was also my number three movie, um, which I danced with this being my number one movie. Uh, but every, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, I mean, this was a movie, another South by Southwest movie this year, um, and a movie that just sort of, you know, I don't know what else there is to say about this movie other than the fact that it is the most unique experience, the most singular vision, the most interesting, the most well-made, you know, the most fascinating movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on, on just a purely filmmaking level this movie is bonkers insane where it is just so creatively done so much effort went into it the amount of like the editing work the special effects the visual look of it um and then it also has this side of absurdity that it incorporates into it where it's just overwhelmingly silly and goofy and has a a great humor streak i think it has some of the best performances of the year i think kihi kwan who plays 
Like the father in the movie is mm-hmm. one of the best performances of the year. Michelle Yeoh is amazing. Stephanie Sue is amazing. Um, I think that it also has this element of like really hitting hard with its family story, mm-hmm. um, which I think that it, it, it punctuates. And, and I, and again, you know, you talk about the best time I had in the theater. I mean, it, it's this and Top Gun were my favorite experiences of the year in a theater where just watching this movie unfold and watching the complexity of it, uh, was just astonishing. I mean, the, the filmmaking here is just off the charts, outrageously good. And you incorporate into it a very profound and interesting story told in a way that is, um, you know, not used or not similar or dissimilar to the way that we've seen it told before. You know, the fact that, you know, the, one of the most profound moments in the movies happens between our two characters as rocks yes. and, and yeah. seeing it all in subtitles. Um, you know, it's just, it's just this crazy, insane, unique vision from filmmakers that somehow distilled all of this insanity into a coherent, awesome, fun movie yeah i mean it's um like i said i really dance with this one being my number one pick um it's one of those movies that that really kind of takes you by surprise that that it could take you by surprise i guess you know that there's this it's it's essentially a multiverse movie which (laughs) we've clearly talked about a lot lately with the marvel stuff but this uses that multiverse to tell this really again profound kind of familial story um about a uh, really about a mother and daughter um and you know like you said that one of the most profound scenes in the movie is is two subtitled rocks <laughs> right. um you know not to mention a uh, a take on uh, ratatouille in there <laughs> um <laughs> uh, a whole bunch of like uh uh like kind of uh martial arts uh uh, martial arts films uh, you know clearly with Michelle Yeoh being in the lead um you're going to have that that influence you know uh, renowned uh Hong Kong martial arts star um you know this was originally going to be a Jackie Chan movie if that tells you anything uh was the original script with the from the Daniels um i mean just just really really um exciting and 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 different and interesting and and it all comes together um, you know, really, really beautifully at times. Um, you know, there's a scene again with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. There's a scene where uh, her, uh, one of the multiverses with with her and and Michelle Yeoh's character, where they have hot dog fingers, but it's like so profound in its like loss and and anger and man, it's just it's such a surprising surprising film. Um, it's so, uh, just again, a singular, I mean, a singular vision of two people, but right. a singular vision of these directors, um, that just blows you away at times. Um, man, it's, it's so, so good. And I'm, I'm so glad it's <coughs> still getting the recognition it deserves. Cause I was, cause it is an, a very early, uh, film compared to all these other films. <laughs> excuse me um that it, that people didn't forget about it that was my biggest concern with with it before was that it was so good and people were going to forget about it yeah i mean it's going to be a big test uh as it comes to award season of uh you know does the academy w- believe in weird movies i mean like mm-hmm. you know going back to like birdman is a super weird movie and that one best picture 
Parasite's pretty weird in that one best picture. Shape of Water. Shape of Water's weird. Yeah. And this one is, like, weirder than all of those. Yeah. In its construction. Like, it has, like, it features butt plugs multiple times. Yeah, yes. And, <laughs> like, high high stakes, ver- like, uh, parts of the movie. So, like, you know, it, do they <laughs> do they get on board with it? I mean, I think Kihi Kwan is a shoe-in at this point to win the Oscar, uh at the very least yeah it's i mean it's 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 not a very strong category anyway sure but i think he's uh he's a real big standout for for best supporting actor yeah and yeah i mean again it's just like it's it's it is such a like you said it's two people of course but it is such a singular vision where like i i I can i can pretty safely say i've never seen anything like this movie before it's you you have never seen anything quite like this movie, and and to be able to say that in and of itself is astonishing, and for it to not be just a gimmick, and for it to also be like a really great, moving, profound, interesting story, is is all to its credit. So and, it's yeah, and it, it's funny as shit. Yeah, at times, and I mean, like I said, the there's a ratatouille uh, reference in there that I mean destroyed the audience. Oh yeah. I mean, it's so good. Um, yeah, just a, a really, really, really great movie. Um, I haven't watched it since it was released. I really do need to watch it again. That was that's. I think that's the first movie I bought this year. I bought the uh, Blu-ray. Nice. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, that's our top 10, Cody. Yeah, we're done um, with 2022. A two-hour show. Uh, it's been a while talk- since we've had one of those. Yeah. Um, you know... Uh, would you say it was a good year? I know you you tend to, you used to tend to kind of be negative, but uh, I feel like this year you were a little more positive. Um, I'll tell you this: this year it was really hard to make a list. I feel like there was a lot of good, and not a lot of like great, and so th- it was hard for me to make a list this year because I had a lot of like stuff that I would normally have at like eight, nine, ten that mm-hmm. had to be boosted as a result of it. So I would say it was a solid but unspectacular year. How, okay. how about that? Well, there you, you go. Work with that. You're on brand, I think. <laughs> uh, all right, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, I don't know what's happening in January, so if there's oh, anything... Oh, I do. Oh, what's coming out next week, Cody? Plane. Oh, fuck. I forgot about <laughs> Plane. We have uh, Gerard Butler in Plane uh, next week, as well as, uh, if we decide to do two movies, uh, House Party. Is also oh yeah, I need to find out. Uh, I need when is my plane screening? Is it screening ours is for on us? Tuesday? So shit, I gotta I gotta hurry up and get plane. I by the way, I've I've seen like plane on. I think it's dominating my Twitter feed. Like yeah. is the one sponsored ad. Um, it doesn't seem to be very much about a plane. No, it seems to be more about when they land. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know why it's called plane, but. Uh, yeah, no, but but we've got uh, we've got plane and um, and house party and um, and then uh, well I'll, I I will be taking off because I'm gonna have Sundance here within a week or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's 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 good to be in a new year and I the end of the year is always stressful and I I went through a lot of uh, watching and rewatching these last few days and so um, I, I I'm glad that the lists are out there and I won't be thinking about that anymore. Yeah. 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 Same here. Same here. Um, all right. If you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at cinesnob.net. You can find us on Twitter at cinesnob, Facebook, cinesnobnet, uh, youtube.com slash cinesnob. Cody, anything else going on? You're still doing the ramble? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't been as, as, uh, 
as active, but uh, the Ramble on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And hey, if you enjoy our show and uh, and listen, leave us a iTunes or Apple Podcast review. Oh yeah, please rating. do, please do. We're, We'd like more of those. Yeah, we're trying to we're trying to work our way onto Rotten Tomatoes, and so we need a little bit of help getting there. So yeah. if you need if some you tomatoes, enjoy it, give us a tomato or two. Yeah, as a rating. Yes. Yeah. A tomato, a tomato. Yeah. If oh. you are British. Hmm. Let's let's call the whole thing off, Cody. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, all right. Anything else before we go? No, let's get out of here. All right. On that note, I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Vivanya. Thank you for listening to this Cine Snob podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.